It's not always easy to find the positive. You might even need to search for happiness. Sometimes, just a little inspiration can make the difference. Here, it comes from unexpected places. Welcome to the Tangential Inspiration Podcast. Hi, I'm Teresa. And I'm Amy. We are two ordinary moms looking for inspiration wherever we can find it. I was out kind of looking for books and shopping this week. And isn't it weird to be back to shopping? I know. With COVID? I know. And I, I came across Amanda Gordman, The Hill We Climb, her inaugural poem for the country. Mm-hmm. It's in this book. Have you seen that? Very sweet. It's really cool. That would be a good graduation, you know. That's what get, I was thinking. Well, some money and put in there for a graduation gift. That'd be perfect. Yeah. And speaking of her, too, she's on the cover of Vogue. Which I can totally see and why she this, got the modeling. And I brought this. I love it. It's, mm. They say supernova, which is really captures mm-hmm. her poet, activist, optimist, and style icon. Yeah, she's gorgeous. So it's fun to check out. Yeah. Speaking of magazines, yeah. I don't usually do people, but this reminded me of my flashback with Steve Irwin. Oh, and yeah. Robert Irwin, his son, the nature photographer, and even when I talked about Prince uh, Charles with his public service announcement about getting outside in the spring break. Prince Williams in 2020 is trying to get people to take care of the planet over the next 10 years. And he must be doing a wildlife photography contest sort of thing. I was reading in time, or not time, excuse me, big difference, people, that there are five different areas of the focus that he's trying to focus on restoring nature, protecting oceans, fixing the climate, eliminating waste, and cleaning our air. So I just thought it was cool that these two people that we've talked about before now are kind of working together for the same cause. That's awesome. Still trying to work on our planet. But anyway... Great that Amanda Gorman's on the cover I know. there. And the and the last thing I when I was shopping, I found this Pep Talks postcards. It made me think of episode oh, sixteen with Lady with my, Gaga. I yeah, that would have helped with my be kind. They're really cool. They're these. They say like encouragement. You're doing freaking great. But <laughs> it's it's cool. Like you could put this in your kid's lunchbox, mm-hmm. or you, if you were at work, if mm-hmm. you're able to be back at work, you mm-hmm. could slip it under someone's keyboard, or put or, it on someone's windshield. I in know. Their car. I love it. So I just think they're just really fun. Yeah. These kind of reminds cards. me of sneaky cards, which oh, yeah. I'm not doing those now because of COVID. But yeah. those are another good thing too that you could just like cheer some ideas up. of, and that would be that would be great. Since I I'm working on my Be Kind 21 list. How's it going? I, I mean, I got a lot of things done, but I still we didn't feed the squirrels. Oh, that's and hard. we're in the forest all the time so that would have been an easy one i haven't gotten around to making a care package for a soldier that's on there too i wanted to make a surprise date night box and just leave it on someone's porch so i haven't done that we did get to the beach cleanup i mean i got a lot of the things done and that's why it's so great to have the list so that i can continue checking things off definitely we've been plogging that's for sure that's been fun it has been super fun and i'm just amazed at all the the things that we found and the, the treasures and the positive. Yeah, people thanking us. Yeah, every every time. It's so, right? encu- it's yeah, so encouraging too for yeah. us. That I like that. And I think kind of like we were chatting with our friend that had texted because he saw us out. He said he thought he saw us picking something up. Right. Like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> and then when he said we're plogging, and it encouraged him to go. He walks every day, and and he's like, I've always you know thought I should grab yeah. a bag, and he's like, now I'm going to do that. So even just him seeing us being total right. dorks out there picking up garbage, yeah, has now inspired him to on his walks. Right. So also- would that be plogging? <laughs> I'm going to ask him to start that. There you go. <laughs> 
So imagine being the custodian for a park. You're tasked with keeping the park clean on a daily basis, which moms, we can totally relate because cleaning nonstop. But anyway, you're mainly picking up trash left behind by people who carelessly drop garbage on the ground, in the bushes, in the creek. And imagine that you get the park cleaned up one day just to see some jerks littered over your nice clean park the very (laughs) next day. How super frustrating would that be? Oh, totally. Which, with our plogging, we're... Pretty much experiencing that. I can't believe right. all the cigarette butts and even yesterday all the, what are they, with the, the cartons, like the cigarette cartons. I know we saw so packs many of those. Packs and packs and packs. So now, instead of just our short plogging, imagine the park's 198 acres oh, in man. size. You're unpaid. And you do this after working a 12-hour shift in a warehouse oh, in Los Angeles. That's what a 20-year-old guy named Edgar McGregor does every single day for almost 655, 650 days in a row. Edgar, that's dedication. I know. I know. And he's 20. Wow. He's a young really person. So impressive. people – Very impressive. Edgar McGregor adopted the Eaton Canyon Natural Area just outside of Los Angeles and proudly keeps it litter-free. Hmm. Some days he just spends 10 to 15 minutes cleaning up the area. Other days he's out there from sunup to sundown, and he doesn't miss a day. Wow. He started in May of 2019 when he visited the nature area to hike and ended up collecting some garbage along the way. Still, he found that more and more people had left garbage along the trail. I just, uh, you know, once again, motherhood, it reminds me of how just discouraging it is. Yeah, totally. So they leave it along the trail and along the creek that flows through the park. He thought about what he could do and decided this was something he was capable of doing and he could at least make a change in this one area that was special to him. Again, one person. I know. I know. I love these stories. That's what I love about this podcast is that just it domino effect. You just keep finding these people that are deciding to make a difference. He said, there are a lot of environmental actions I can do and some things I can't. I cut back on beef and fish. I pick up trash. But I can't not drive a car because I live in L.A. Oh, yeah. and I have to get to work. He said, so I say pick something, really anything, and then be vocal about it and about why you're doing it. Other things will follow suit, which yeah. so smart. I mean, yeah. just brilliant for, for this guy to say that. I just love that. Just pick your thing. Right, whatever it is. Doesn't have to be what everybody else is doing. And, in fact, it's better if it isn't. And figure out what you can do and just go do it. If everybody played their role, no matter how small, the cumulative effect would be massive. He said, I think this is something that people get mixed up. Individual action and systemic climate action are two sides of the same coin. If you don't have individual action, you won't have systemic change. And at the same time, when we have systemic change, it makes individual action easier. It's a positive feedback loop. We see it in nature, too. McGregor's been an environmental activist since his first years in high school. He was inspired by Greta, is it Thunberg? Is that how you say it? Yeah, okay. Which, oh my gosh, after doing our Friday for the Future. That was, I know that was so fun. Protest today, I, I, well, I kept telling you about a million times. Now I know how she felt when she was the only one out there. Right. Holding her sign. I know. Standing her ground. And we probably got more... Feedback than she did. For sure. I mean, we got some thumbs up and yeah. some hang The lady yeah. in the Prius that so drove by cute. twice and little little old lady giving us the thumbs up. And yeah, he was inspired by Greta, who we covered in Podcast 17, and her Fight for Friday school protest, but he wanted to do more. After the strikes, he'd go to the park, clean up, 
so he had a tangible way to measure progress. Showing up once a week, he could not keep up with the new trash. So he started going every day, which I love that instead of just being discouraged. Yeah. Some kids would. A lot of people would. Yeah. I'm an adult, and I would be super frustrated. He's not getting paid. I mean, why should he waste his time doing this? But I love, I just love his attitude. He admires Greta for getting the dialogue going, particularly in young people, which I think is so important. And I admire it, and a lot of young people are getting right. fired up. Yeah, it's their doing future. something about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. He admires your attitude, and that we can't wait around for climate change. Deniers to get on board with science. We need to act now. He said, I'm never going to get an answer to those questions about why people throw trash, so it doesn't do any good. That translates to the climate movement. I don't want to spend time thinking about climate deniers and getting angry. We don't have time. We have to fix this issue now. Oh, this guy is so, so much yeah, so mature. Smarter than me. Yeah. I'm too focused on yeah. So Good I need to be more I need to be I need to be more like McGregor. On March 5th, 2021, his 589th day, wow. he declared the park free of municipal waste. On April 22nd, 2021, Earth Day, Yay, yeah. that marked his 637th consecutive day of cleaning up at Eaton Canyon. McGregor has documented his cleanup on his Twitter page with hashtag Earth Cleanup. We'll put a link up on our page, on our inspirational links page at tangentialinspiration.com. Along with some amazing scenery at Eaton Canyon, he gives daily reports on his effort and other inspiring stories on his Twitter feed. It's definitely worth a follow. Oh, cool. He collects twenty to thirty-five dollars a month in cans, which I saw this oh, super awesome. cute. I'll have we'll have to put that up on our page yeah. too. This um, these siblings that have collected cans during COVID, yeah, and they have pressed them and they're they're cleaning up the town, they're cleaning up the environment, yeah. and they're earning a little bit of money for school for college. I think they're putting it in their college fund, and their parents are matching them. Oh, that's it's awesome. just it's a very cute story. But anyway, he redeems the cat for cash, and it's really weird to me that there are so few states that have bottle recycling. Yeah. We Oregon the, is very is good. We yeah. do the bottle drop. Yeah, yeah. It's such an easy way to recycle. Yeah. Anyway, he spends that money on donations for environmental causes, like donating to AOC's fundraiser for the people in Texas hit by the snowstorm, or by directly putting it back into what he refers to as my park, which I love, like purchasing saplings to plant. McGregor, who's autistic, is planning on attending San Jose State University this fall. It isn't very hard to guess his major. Meteorology with an emphasis on climate science, which I think is perfect. He tweeted, climate action is a group project. There will be no hero that will emerge from the fog to save us from ourselves. To preserve this planet, we'll need a billion climate activists. Wow. In an interview with NPR, McGregor said, not worrying about litter bugs and simply immersing myself in this work has made me more excited than ever to go out every single day and pick up. There's nothing more satisfying than seeing brand new animals return to your park after months of cleaning up. I highly encourage anyone with any spare time to give this mission a shot. Your parks need you. This young man is right. If we all do what we can, the difference we make would be incredible. We have to start now. I mean, like we were talking, what did you say, like nine years? Yeah. It's irreversible if we don't get moving on it. I had a stressful week. All sorts of kid stuff <laughs> going on. It's that time of year, even with COVID. Stuff's you know, graduation, happening. you've got prom. Yeah. For your daughter. Yeah. So, yeah. All is good, though. But I have to say, I was grateful to find this book 
The Legacy of Luna by Julia Butterfly Hill. I don't remember hearing this story back in I 97. I hadn't either. And I was, I'm really glad that you're covering it. Yeah. The thing that's funny to me is that I've seen this. She's on the list of environmentalists. And yeah. I remember, I'm like, oh, she's too out there for me. So right. I'm really glad that you're covering her today. Well, yeah, her book, her book sucked me in. So she, she's a young woman, Julia, who advocated for an ancient tree, Luna, in the Redwood Forest, sitting in it for two years. That's just as crazy to me. I know. I must two have, years. Two years. I must have been living under a rock because it was big news. Um, I must have been under that rock with you because I don't, I don't remember. remember this either. But like I said, this is just what I needed this mm-hmm. week because I felt transported to the Redwood Forest, living, breathing alongside Julia as she bravely endures like treacherous weather storms. The lumber company Pacific Lumber, fellow activists, and her own nagging self-doubt. Mm-hmm. Julia says, like, her upbringing prepared her for this long journey and fight for Luna. She's the youngest it's of— It's so funny to me that that's the name of the tree. I know. Well, <laughs> I, it, the, the activists named it after mm-hmm. a moon. Okay. You know, and I think they, they do that for each, for of, each the, of the trees that they're going to do a tree sitting. Okay. So. Okay. But she grew up, she had two brothers. Her dad was an itinerant preacher. Who, itinerant? Yeah, so he traveled. He wasn't like, um, he didn't have a home church. Oh, okay. So he traveled the country's heartland, so it was mm-hmm. kind of the south. And just spoke at different churches? Different churches. Okay. Yeah. And living, they lived out of a trailer. And so she mm-hmm. talks about, like, the trees were her playground. Mm-hmm. And she had a real humble lifestyle. By the time she hit high school, her family settled in Arkansas. And a few years out of high school, she was in this horrible car accident. Her Honda hatchback was rear-ended by a Ford Bronco. Man, Ford Bronco just can't. I know. I know. All sorts of bad publicity. But she suffered a brain injury Mm -hmm. and wasn't sure she'd ever be the same again. And while she was laying in her hospital bed, she prayed and made a commitment to herself that when she was better, she would travel around the world, finding spiritual connections to places, and eventually finding a purpose. Hmm. Yeah. So So young 20s here. Yeah, she's she's probably like 23. So 10 months later, I'm just thinking that sounds very mature. Very for mature. A young person. Yeah, so 10 months later, she's healed and ready for an adventure. She <laughs> I know. She traveled with it wasn't around the world. She just she traveled with three of her friends to the West Coast mm-hmm. to Grizzly Creek State Park in the Redwood Forest. Grizzly Creek. Grizzly Creek. So it sounds like the Grizzly bear right country. there. Yeah, bear that country. right there would have make me hesitant. But once they arrived at the state park, her friends couldn't go on the trail because they had brought a dog. Mm. So they split up, and her friend said, "Let's meet back in fifteen minutes." And she said, "Well, if I'm not back, just leave my things at the ranger station." When she didn't come back, they just they did just that. She describes running through the forest with so much joy. She was just amazed at the size of the ferns. Have you been to the Redwoods? I have. Yeah. It's I just incredible. A, yeah. I did a, um, probably a, my favorite marathon has been Avenue of the Giants. Oh, okay. And you're just running in the red. I mean, it, it just reminds me of this. Yeah. You're just running and it is just, it takes you back. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, yeah, she, she went further and further into the forest until she describes like she knelt down. And describing the ancient giant trees as a cathedral. I just love that Mm -hmm. image. Mm -hmm. She later learned that if she'd just gone two miles further, she would have found this devastated hillside that was clear-cut by Pacific Lumber. I hear about clear-cuts every time I go to the beach. Yeah. Because my boys see on the way to 
the beach house. To the coast, that, yeah. yeah. It's very depressing. Well, upon learning about the devastated hillside, she described a, a feeling of sense of being robbed or being violated. And she wanted to do something about it. But first she had to get back home and finalize her lawsuit from the car the accident. Bronco. Yeah. yeah. Okay. After returning home, she settled the lawsuit and she sold us everything, just hmm. keeping a few keepsakes. And then she headed back to the Redwoods where she was determined to get involved. <laughs> and she met with some resistance. The activist group Earth First didn't seem to want her help. And I really don't know why, hmm. you know. It was mid-November 1997. The group was just... Was she older than them or was she younger than them? I think she was their same age. And maybe maybe they just didn't know her. You well, know, I maybe just think they wouldn't want anyone involved. You right. Know, well, like, she was, we're so include like anyone who will talk to us. We're right. right there. Well, I would think they'd be inclusive. She she, she describes just like even just picking up trash. She's mm-hmm. just trying to be involved, mm-hmm. but they just they just were not engaging mm-hmm. her. Um, hmm. And at that time of the year, they're kind of disbanding because typically mm. most direct campaigns, the tree sits. They kick off in September and go through <laughs> November because that's when the that's the little window that the lumber companies are given to log oh, trees. Okay. So that's why they're going to okay. be there because they're going to have a presence during that time. Block it, gotcha. yeah. So she made friends with a young guy named Shakespeare. It's funny they all have these. <laughs> all the activists have fun names. So she she felt a connection to butterflies. So she said. Her name was Butterfly, or maybe Monarch, because that sounded tougher. I just love her enthusiasm. It's pretty cute. Makes me want to come up with an animal name. And then she learned about the horrific mudslide in Stafford a year prior as a result of the clear-cutting by Pacific Lumber. So clear-cutting is, you know, clearing the Mm -hmm. trees, but then afterwards they they can burn the the land as well as use herbicide, too. Mm -hmm. And that's not only damaging to the forest, it causes erosion and affects water quality. Which reminds me a lot of Wangari. Yeah. Where she was so big on planting trees because of this. Because, exactly. And so that's what led to the mudslide in Stafford. And so what happened is after that clear cutting happened, they had torrential rainstorm and an unstable hillside. The mud rolled down Mm -hmm. and taking out parts of the town. Anyways, that's... Which scientists, I mean, that's obvious is going to, it's going to at some point happen when you right. get enough rainfall, but... When you um, have a steep side yeah, like that. Why, I just don't know why they're not replanting and, and thinking it through, I guess. Right. I, well, I think at this time, it was really know. about dollars. Yeah. Well, I read mm-hmm. to, I mean, I remember back in the day where they said that a lot of times they would plant trees that were not, that wouldn't stay, were not part of the native, right. you know, plant life, so they couldn't thrive here, or, you know, I don't know where this was, but I know that on the Oregon coast, they yeah. were saying that. Now, I think they've changed that. I think they're much better about replanting. Right. Not saying that we're perfect, but I think, you know, we have a long well, ways to go, but we haven't definitely improved, seen yeah. some improvements. Yeah, so Julia was Julia was feeling discouraged by not being involved yet in the movement, and her friend Shakespeare kept encouraging her to hang in there. And soon she get a tree set. So tree sitting, it's kind of it's a whole education. It's when a tree is marked by the lumber company to be cut down. Mm-hmm. So the activists climb up in the tree, usually with another activist. So there's like a pair, mm-hmm. and they'll build like a platform where they'll stay for a couple days, and then they get relieved. By another okay. pair of activists, yeah. yeah. So finally, Ju- Julia's opportunity came. Someone was asking for someone to sit in Luna. It's with over a thousand-year-old wow. tree. Mm-hmm. 
Why were they going to kind of down? That's what I don't Yeah, I don't, I don't get. Yeah, I don't get. Luna had been marked earlier in October. And like I said, she was named for in Spanish moon. Mm-hmm. So, But Juliet headed out with Shakespeare and climbed the steep hill. They have like a satellite camp there. Mm. Where the food and supplies mm-hmm. for the tree sits are stored. <laughs> it's just such I mean, a it's it's, a diff- it's really different. And the next morning, she got a really quick lesson in tree climbing. The equipment was worn out, held together mm-hmm. by duct tape. Oh, my gosh. And this is, you know, at the time, Earth First, they were focusing on another tree, Liberty. So they were kind of putting all their equipment mm-hmm. and food towards Liberty. And I don't even know why, but that was just their their what their focus mm-hmm. was. But Julia didn't care. She, she was, was just thinking about Luna. She was thinking about Luna. <laughs> she started climbing. She looked up at 200 feet. Oh, my gosh. So that's like a 20-story 20, 20 building, just yeah. to kind of give you another. Well, and that's, if you fall, I mean, that's this huge. Is your your skills getting up to that, getting right. down, I just, mm, yeah. nope. nope. So she was, she was scared and had some second mm-hmm. thoughts. The rope size was the size of a, as of a dime, the diameter. So that's, you know, to give you an idea. Yeah, so they rope it around and then they just like. They're using carabingers and kind of. And using this kind of pulley set. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So kind of doing this pulling Mm. and moving the carabiner. And as she climbed, she was amazed by the sheer size of Luna and Mm -hmm. the gnarled kind of burl shapes, their little outgrowths in the tree. And all the stories. Yeah, just these little things. She was describing them. They look like little animals Mm -hmm. or different little things. So just the beauty. Mm Mm-hmm. Of nature. Yeah. And at 80 feet, Luna splits into two. So she kind of goes out into two. And then after three or four feet, she goes back together. Hmm. So she there's a kind of a hole in her. Mm-hmm. And then there's these huge, massive branches. And she kept thinking as she's climbing, my harness is held together by duct tape. <laughs> I mean, holy moly. I'm so blown away by that her courage. Yeah. I don't think I could do that. No, I know I could. Not yeah. Do that. Finally, she reaches the platform shelter at the top. It's six by eight feet. That's like an area rug. Oh my gosh! See, I roll too much in my sleep. I know. And if you didn't have like sides up, I, I know. Mm-mm, and nope. then there's a second. They had a second platform that was four by six feet that stored food and a hammock. <laughs> so they get they they situate themselves yeah. as best they could with the gear. Yeah. She starts cooking dinner because, you know, she finds cooking soothing. Mm-hmm. They have a little propane burner to cook on. And then after dinner, she cleans the dishes with boiling water, a little mm-hmm. herbal soap, and they dump it over the edge. I mean, this is really small. Mm-hmm. And they had a collection of library books. So she started to educate herself more about mm-hmm. the movement. And then unfortunately for her, day six, she was really sick. She didn't know mm-hmm. she had a kidney infection. Mm-hmm. So she was, <laughs> yeah. So she's up there, really not feeling well. She yeah. is relieved by another activist. She goes back down to the ground and recuperates. She's working now with another activist named Almond, <laughs> and they're doing like tabling, which is where they set up information, solicit donations, mm-hmm. and she got really involved in that. They made posters, and then it's getting into early December, and she suggests to Almond that she would go back up and stay in Luna for a couple weeks because they were having difficulty finding volunteers. To stay in the trees? Yeah. Or, okay. Yeah, to stay in the trees. Because normally, like I said, well, they, I can see stop, why. they stop in November yeah. normally. And so she's feeling committed. She wants to keep making a presence there. So Almond said, hey, I'll join you. They were back up in the tree. And not sh- soon after, the loggers were, like, cutting Luna at the base. And Julie was afraid that they were going to blow blow the tree up. And that's mm-hmm. not an uncommon practice. Mm-hmm. They, like, 
kind of chop it at the bottom and they might put some dynamite. They've done that in other Aww. places. I mean, just even how you've talked about it, lunacy, you could, like, she's a living thing. She's a living thing. And it just, I can't imagine. And then Pacific Lumber started to cut down trees and it went through like December 23rd. So mm-hmm. it was like, instead of like 12 days of Christmas, because they were, they started like, I think December 10th, it was 12 days of chopping down trees. Mm. And it was. And we're a, not talking, these are old growth. Old growth. These are, ancient. Yeah. I mean, these are, you know, yeah. really old. I mean, ancient That's trees. That's the tragic part. It's yeah. not that they're chopping down trees so much as that this is old growth. Old growth. So it was very negative for almonds. So after mm-hmm. 25 days, he decided to rappel down and just help Julia you know, from the ground. And Mm -hmm. she described her feelings as mixed. I mean, she'd miss having the company of Almond, Mm -hmm. but she wanted to be there for Luna. She just developed such an affinity for the tree. Mm -hmm. And then she... I just wonder if you get to the point of being kind of crazy up there by yourself. I think think she must have at some point. It it must have been hard. And just the mind games. Right. And what do you do? And then she talks about climbing. Initially, she would climb only with a harness on. Mm -hmm. And then she felt more comfortable free climbing barefoot. Mm -mm. So she was barefoot like the first year. So she felt like she could distribute her weight. But she's up 200 feet. But this was the only way she could exercise. Is to climb. Yeah. And and I you and, know how important exercise is to me, but still this is like serious dedication I know. to saving this tree. Oh, well, and then so there's a picture here and I just have to quickly show you. That's her perched two hundred. Oh my feet gosh. Off. Yeah. This she reminds was, me of my son. We always were like, Where's Spencer? Oh, he's up in, he's up you know, in the, the top of the tree. I mean, I, this is crazy to me. Oh, I just want to peek at that. Yeah, look at that. This book looks good. Yeah. Oh. Story of a tree, a woman, and the struggle to save the redwoods. Oh my gosh. It's, it really, I can see why it was a good, this. yeah, it was a, it's, it's, so the winter was horrific that year. I mean, horrible rain, wind, sleet, the tarp, you talk about, you said, did she go insane? Well, talk about the tarp shelter, I guess, flapping almost to the point where she couldn't think straight. She described the wind blowing the platform so hard. It was at an angle that at one point she grabbed the tree and hugged it, mm-hmm. praying for her life. In that moment, she learned about letting go and giving into the wind and not fighting it, which I think is kind of a good lesson. Sometimes things are yeah. out of control and you just have to not sometimes let it go. Always, yeah. yeah. And then she, because I told you she's barefoot, she got frostbite, which is so painful the way she described it. She had to put clothes at the bottom of her sleeping bag so her feet wouldn't touch the sleeping bag. She eventually got some tiger balm on it and mm-hmm. gauze and healed. And then after the crazy storms of winter, spring came, and she was regenerated. This just sounds like my worst I nightmare. Know. I know, but she stayed. I mean, <sighs> after surviving the storms and then the st- down in Stafford, the town gave her an award for the Defender oh. of the Forest, which I thought was really mm-hmm. cool. And the Veterans for Peace awarded her their Wage Peace Recognition Valor Award for holding the line for 100 days, saving wow. the life of this ancient mm-hmm. redwood. So she used a um, solar panel phone to reach mm. people. So mm-hmm. she was talking like she'd be on the radio station with uh, John and Ken Shock Jocks in L.A. Hmm. She was in Newsweek and People Magazine during Well, I mean, this that's time. the main reason she's doing this. Yeah, she's trying publicity. to get presence. Yeah. yeah. And she even... Uh, was on CNN debating the president of Pacific <laughs> Lumber, John Campbell. You know, 
And I mean, I think that's just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. So she got all these calls from But she act- wouldn't have gotten that had she not been up in oh, that no. tree like a crazy person. Yeah, totally. Living in that small space. Yeah. She, so she got all this advice from all these activists, like how to handle the debate. But, mm-hmm. it, you know, Campbell like, apparently didn't present well, so it made her job easy. <laughs> but she kept bringing light to the issue of saving this ancient tree and the surrounding forest. She was living in a tree and becoming this public figure. Mm-hmm. So she decided, you know, she was educating herself on issues. She listened to radio shows on environmentalism. She talked to experts on watershed analysis, uh, timber harvest plans. She read about sustainable logging. She also had a lot of visitors. Woody Harrelson visited oh her gosh. and spent the night. <laughs> I, guess, I, I guess he was really grumpy. I, I just can't imagine sharing a small space with strangers, let alone no. someone famous. Uh, well, I, I the famous part wouldn't be a big deal to me, but Woody Harrelson. I, I guess, know. Oh, that's yeah. And then one sad day, one of the activists, this group was trying to show the loggers where they were cutting down trees. It was an illegal area where there's some endangered species. Mm. And so this angry logger cut down a tree with the activists nearby in the vicinity, which is, you know, illegal. You're not Mm -hmm. supposed to cut down with anybody. And one of the activists, Gypsy, died. Apparently Mm. he froze as a tree came down. And it really... You know, it was the logger froze or no gypsy. The activist froze and the tree came down on him. Oh, and he died. So it was really hard. So Julia calls her mom to pray, and Mm -hmm. her mom, like Julia, really believes in Mm -hmm. the power of prayer. And they prayed for healing and love and strength and the forest and the earth. And the activists. They kept the loggers out of that area, and they named it Gypsy Mountain in honor Mm. of David. That's Mm -hmm. the activist's real name. And the press coverage grew after the death of— I wonder how old uh, he was. I think these kids, they're all like in their 20s. Mid-20s, Yeah. So because of the publicity Mm -hmm. and the coverage grew— Almond decided to help build another platform because she was holding like press conferences and meetings. (laughs) And so they built a lower— like mm-hmm. little platform Spot for it, yeah. yeah, and which worked out good because she's now like in summertime, so she's she's gone through the winter, or mm-hmm. spring, and summer, and it still sounds miserable to me I that know. a little. I I mean, I love yeah the forest in summer. Well, and she talks about that she, it's that she could stand up because mm-hmm. she couldn't stand up in the other oh, because shelters. It was, all it was because of the branches or whatever were... she couldn't stand up much. I mean, less like when she was per- claustrophobic. And I just, know, yeah. And I guess it also, you know, a little bit of protection from the sun Mm -hmm. and the sweltering. So she enjoyed having the extra space. And especially, so she went through the summer and then into winter. (laughs) And so people were sending her things. She got a cold weather sleeping bag, Mm -hmm. warmer clothes. Because like I said before, she was like in just very bare minimal clothes. And Mm -hmm. she was barefoot. Mm -hmm. But then she got some boots from somebody that came and visited her. And so her it got a little bit more comfortable. But still, it's pretty harsh. More comfortable is... Meanwhile, you know, Pacific Lumber thought they just could wait this Julia out. Mm -hmm. They they didn't know her (laughs) focus and determination. She continued to fight to save Luna by talking to lawmakers... Mm -hmm. And then she would call Campbell, that president mm-hmm, of Pacific of the, Lumber. Pacific, yeah. At first, he wouldn't return her calls. Probably because he thought she was crazy. Yeah. She's living up in a tree. Right. So then she tried. She made a connection with Robert Parker. He's a media and ground support coordinator 
who helped to get some lawyers to draft a statement of protection for remaining old growth and buffer around Luna. And so Julia and the other activists present a resolution with support of the governor, Tom Hayden, environmental leader, David Brower, musicians, Willie Nelson. Lace- Willie Nelson is actually yeah. quite young. And, and Lacey J. Dalton and M- Merrill Haggard. Hmm. But no response Oh no! after that. But then, oddly enough, Campbell started returning Julia's calls, and they, the conversation kind of began. And although they weren't getting resolution, they just kept talking. Mm-hmm. And they kind of became friendly. I mean, Campbell kept joking about, oh, if you just come down, I'll buy you a cappuccino. <laughs> and she kept trying to impress upon him that she's a real person. She's up in a tree. Up in a tree. And, and soon they would meet. So she lowered herself down. So she, she really wanted him to see that she's not some just crazy person. Yeah. You know, that she's a real she, person. Yeah. And so he gave her the six-pack of Pepsi. And then she gave him this crystal from Mount Ida. It It's from Arkansas. It's supposed to be some energy vortex. Hmm. But although their gifts, you know, completely different sentiment. They talked and leaving the conversation, Campbell promised to work out the details. In essence, protecting Luna, which I think is. I I, I wish that politicians could take the same concept. Right. But definitely very separate sides of the spectrum but yeah. i love that they were able to finally come together come together at least they they kind of came to some agreement mm-hmm. and then earth day approach this is now 1999 so she's rounding a year and some months since she started her journey to save luna and guess oh who came gosh. on earth day bonnie Raitt, and joan Baez. Well, i was climbed, noticing they, so um, they climbed up they climb, you know, that's how these people are coming. They're climbing up. To see her. So she, they, these two ladies insane. climbed up there. They sang to her to lift her spirits. Oh, my gosh. And she read some poetry. I mean, it's just, I, I just find the, the beauty of mm-hmm. that. People just interacting. Mm-hmm. And then a few months later, she heard from this East Coaster, Redwood Mary. <laughs> He's a longtime environment involved in the environmental mm-hmm. um, protection of the forest. And Mary told Julie about an incredible woman, Wangari. Oh, okay. Who had been working in Kenya. Which, to br- what's so sad, yeah. I had never heard of Wangari until we started doing this I podcast. And I love that it, I love that I read about her in this book. In this book, too. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, Mary was like, because at the time, Wangari was trying to do this call for action for the African Greenbelt mm-hmm. movement. It was going to be held on July 3rd, 1999. They wanted to show some sort of solidarity. Mm-hmm. So they brainstormed and they came up with the idea of interdependence. Like, because it was close to our Independence Day, it really was the idea that we're all connected, mm-hmm. that interconnection. Mm-hmm. And that we are dependent on each other as species. Yeah, whether we absolutely. know it, Whether we know it or not. And we may not like that. Yeah. But it's truth. So it took off. People held prayer and music circles, tree plantings in New York, New Jersey, the local counties near the Redwoods, and even as far as Israel and Germany. Wow. Yeah, pretty cool. Later that month, on July 14th, proceedings were met with Pacific Lumber, and they agreed on a timeline to make something happen to preserve Luna. Julia remained in the tree for a couple more months. (laughs) So how many months did she end up being in that? Two years. It's almost two years to the day. So. She, oh my gosh. she kept reminding herself, you know, her prayer was answered by living in the tree. Luna changed her, and she found purpose. Mm-hmm. So she, another winter rolled around. This is now December <laughs> 18th, now we're 1999, okay? So she's rolling into the year two. And 
a preservation agreement and deed a covenant to protect Luna and create 20-foot buffer zone in perpetuity was documented and recorded. So that was wonderful. Success, yeah. Yeah, success. Wonderful news. It took a bit for her to gather all that she's accumulated after two years. (laughs) And I love this. Her last night in Luna, she climbed out to her favorite branches and looked at the moon from the vantage point for one last time. And she wrote in her book that you know, she felt like she had to let go of part of herself. Mm-hmm. And I was reminded throughout this book, just the, the power of prayer. She's so steadfast. And I, I think I really needed that after my stressful mm-hmm. week. But I love how Julia is so approachable with love and by just the way she's talking to people and her authentic self. self. She's just true to, yeah. true to herself. And I'm amazed how many inroads she made with so many people. Mm-hmm. And brought so much awareness to the environmental effects and dangers of logging. And I admire her commitment to Luna. I mean, she gave up a roof over her head, preacher comforts, her friends, her family for two years. And I also love her grateful nature. She wrote six pages at the back of that book there of all the people she's grateful for that were instrumental in helping Mm -hmm. protect Luna. Well, I love on the back of this book, not only does Bonnie Ray give her a great quote, but... The sign that she puts up there is respect your elders. I know. And that's great, not only with the tree. I mean, it just, it all encompassing with trees and just with humans. And I'm glad you covered it. Yeah. Yeah. So the the quote that stuck out for me, I have two, but one is, yes, she writes, yes, one person can make a difference. Each one of us does. The other one was, you have to hold yourself accountable for your actions and that's how we're going to protect the earth. And I think it's so true. You know, every little thing we do, just like you were, yeah. we were talking earlier. Well, I think we've covered so many stories where it's one person. And right. oftentimes it's a young person or it's a woman. or, But it's just one person that stands up to authority. And it's like, no. And, and that's what prompts change. Right. But it just takes that one. That one person. I was, you know, shopping with Lucy for a prom dress, and we found a pretty reasonable one, mm-hmm. $66 for a long time. Oh, formal. that's a great deal. I don't think that's bad. No. But as I was checking out, and I, oh my gosh, I finally got to meet your daughter oh, today. I know. She is gorgeous, Aww, beautiful. Sweet. But as I was checking out, I saw this flyer for Abby's closet. It caught my eye. It's hard to miss because it's hot pink. <laughs> yeah. But I was I was so curious about this organization after reading the flyer. I looked up their website, abbyscloset.org. And oh man, I love it. It's local. Um, they're out of Westland, Oregon. It's a nonprofit started in 2004 by a recent graduate, Abby Eglin, who wanted to make sure her pink prom dress didn't go to waste. She wanted someone else to enjoy wearing it. And I love how she puts it. She says she wanted to give her dress another chance to dance, Aww. which I thought is so sweet. Her mom, Sally, and her founded Abby's Closet who have hosted more than 10 years of prom dress giveaways for students from more than 250 schools in Oregon and Southwest Washington. When they say giveaway, they mean give it away free of charge. I just love the spirit of this nonprofit. They usually host a two-day event at the Oregon Convention Center in the spring. Mm -hmm. They didn't do it this year because of COVID. This just makes me teary because seeing the smiles on these girls' I, faces for getting, and you know. It, you to know have, how hard it is to buy a prom dress, I mean, and to find one. Well, and, and if it, you can't afford one. Well, and that's and the main thing right here, that these yeah. ladies might not have had that, that memory or that experience right. without this organization. They, they usually offer more than 7,000 donated dresses. 
when they do this at the convention center. And they have it organized by size and color, mm-hmm. ranging from size 0 to 20. They transform it into like a large boutique. Mm-hmm. They even have personal shoppers and seamstress on site to make sure you know, the girl the finds the perfect dress. Yeah, so neat. Plus, you they give one accessory like shoes, purse, makeup, or jewelry. Um, they just want to make sure that every participant feels special. Mm-hmm. And it's so awesome how they're making the prom dresses accessible to all. Well, I think that's great for Earth Month, yeah. too, because, the, like she said, they're getting another dance. They're right. getting used again. Getting reused. And what a great idea, I mean, just a great concept to help people yeah. that wouldn't otherwise be able to afford a dress. And there are so many ways to get involved with this organization. You can donate a dress. You can be a sponsor and help supplement their supplement dress fund. Mm. So 25% of their attendees wear a size 15 or greater. And so they don't receive too many donations. In so, that size? In that size. So okay. their supplement dress fund is used to supply dresses in that size oh, range. Okay. And then there's volunteer opportunities. You could also host a dress drive, which I'm thinking I might do. We should do yeah, that. That might be fun maybe to do oh. next winter before prom before, season. Or before Dance homecoming season. Yeah. or Even something. In the fall. We could do homecoming related and then it could be ready for prom right. in the spring. That'd be so much fun. <gasps> Let's do that. It was so exciting to get the email. I know. I know. From, I like texted you right after we got it. I know. It. From my mother-in-law, Cece. <laughs> Yay, thank you, Cece, for emailing us and commenting on our website. We would just love to hear from people and get to know people that are listening to the podcast because that's this is all just about us growing together. Exactly. If there's someone they want us to research, send an email to tangentialinspiration.com. Check yep. it out. With God, all things are possible. Matthew 19, 26. Thanks for listening to Tangential Inspiration. We really want to hear from you. Email us your comments or story suggestions at tangentialinspiration at gmail.com or leave a comment on our website, tangentialinspiration.com. Our website has all our podcast episodes, show notes, stories, follow-ups, and links to websites and books we talk about. Like and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app, and you can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Have a great week.